0: No reasonable person can be happy about the state of the country right now. There is disorder on every front. The economy is in shambles. Inflation is at record highs. We can't get basic goods like baby formula. There have been horrific spikes in violence, and the world order is cracking. And to top it all off, energy costs are through the roof. It is difficult to understand how political leaders could screw up so perfectly, on every single front, until you realize that the present misery is not a bug, but rather a feature of the ruling class's program. Here is Joe Biden's explanation.
1: When it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that, God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over.
0: There it is. That's why that's why gas prices are high because of the incredible transition that Biden is encouraging. A transition from one way of life to another, apparently with the approval of our rulers. This was the plan all along. And you can see it most clearly when it comes to energy. Every normal person is upset about energy prices. People are struggling to fill their tanks heat their homes, energy costs are driving up the cost of everything else in the economy. But for years now, our ideologically insane ruling class has argued in their occasional moments of honesty that it's actually a good thing, that this is actually precisely the sort of thing that we're rooting for.
1: Under my plan uh, of a cap and trade system, electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket. So could the LA prices help us? I think that I would have preferred a gradual adjustment. In 2008, you supported
0: ramping up gas prices. Somehow, we have to figure out how to boost the price of gasoline to the levels in Europe, where it is now more than $10 a gallon. That, that last clip was Obama's energy secretary. Before that, it was Obama himself saying, yeah, we want higher prices. That's what we're looking for. What we are living through right now is precisely the sort of thing that our rulers have been calling for for over a decade. These are the people planning our future. These are the people building our future. They're not even hiding it. And if they are permitted to keep the control that they've got, the future is going to look pretty bleak. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from the Drummers Workshop at Norm's Workshop, who says, "I guess Whoopi Goldberg wanted to, vert, to divert our attention away from asking what is a woman to what is an archbishop." That's true. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know much about anything these days. Well, what really is an archbishop? An archbishop is uh, the leader of uh, is, is Pelosi's shepherd. That's who it is. No, that that bishop doesn't have any right. To, no, he, that's what an archbishop is. A woman has no right to the women's room. No, that's what a woman is. Guys, this is basic stuff. We figured it out, okay? The mistake that the critics of our ruling class are making right now when they look at all the terrible stuff going on in the country and around the world is they think this is an accident. It's not an accident. The negative effects on the polls might be accidental. The criticism that the administration is getting might be accidental. But the actual stuff, driving up the cost of energy— opening up the border, flooding the country with immigrants and illegal aliens, the disorder we're seeing elsewhere around the world and the fraying world. All this stuff is the point. It is the plan. They've been telling us this for over a decade. We should have listened. We should have paid attention. Some of us did. And so you're not surprised when you see this happen now. That's what the World Economic Forum is about. The World Economic Forum, which is going on in Davos, Switzerland, is a cartoonish Gathering of world leaders, lots and lots of heads of state, lots and lots of corporate leaders, all meeting up in this non-governmental body, this just kind of non-profit, this strange little meeting they all go to, and they tell you verbatim, we are the ones planning the future.
1: Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room. We have the means to improve the states of the world, but two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities, that we serve not our only self interests but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second, that we collaborate. And this is the reason why you find many opportunities here during the meeting to engage into very action and impact-oriented initiatives to make progress related to specific issues on the global agenda.
0: If the screen behind Klaus Schwab there, the head of the World Economic Forum, if the screen did not say World Economic Forum, if instead it said Spectre, I would not bat an eyelash. If this were not taking place on the news, but taking place in the next James Bond movie, I would not be surprised at all. The language is that cartoonishly villainous. The future does not just happen. (laughs) No, Mr. Bond. The future is being built by us. (laughs) We are the ones who will build the future if we
1: collaborate
0: together. (laughs) Collaborate together, by the way. What people say that when you criticize the World Economic Forum, you're engaging in a crazy conspiracy theory? Klaus Schwab just said it's a conspiracy. That's what conspiracy is, is when people with outsized influence and power get together and collaborate largely behind closed doors in secret locations in the middle of Switzerland. This is the plot of a Bond movie. This is what they are doing. And it's not just the government leaders, and it's not just the corporate leaders, and it's not just the NGO leaders, the humanitarian types who who project the power of liberal empire. It's all of them together. It's all of them together working behind the scenes. Why do they have to do this in Davos, Switzerland? Because they know that you won't like it. That's why they're not debating this stuff in the US Congress. That's why they're not debating this stuff in the parliaments of Europe. Because then it would be open to the the input of the people. And they know that the people don't like any of this stuff. They know that the people are never going to vote for higher gas prices if it's put to them in those plain terms. If that's really what they know is on the ballot, the people aren't going to vote for it. But these are the ones building the future, and they know what is better. And so if we are going to transition, then we need to raise the prices of the energy and build the future against the will of the people. I'm not, thankfully, I'm not going into my outright German. It sounds even scarier in in the original German. So that's what's happening at the World Economic Forum. That's what they're telling us is happening. Uh, This is not being put into a public stage or up for a public vote, but there are clips that come out of the World Economic Forum, like this one. Uh, uh, Someone at the World Economic Forum, the president of Alibaba Group, which is a Chinese company, J. Michael Evans, boasted at the World Economic Forum that he was going to develop an individual carbon footprint tracker to monitor the terrible effect that you, the ordinary person, have on the world. We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Hmm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. Isn't this a great idea? You know, the the one thing that makes me feel a little bit better about the World Economic Forum and all these liberal lunatics meeting together and conspiring to take over the world, the one thing that makes me feel better is that they are fairly incompetent. So a lot of what you hear at the World Economic Forum is, hey, I've got this great idea and we haven't actually built it or anything, but it's going to be really great. It doesn't sound great to me. I don't like that. That doesn't sound good to me that this guy who runs a dodgy company is developing a tracker to, to track your essentially your social credit score and to determine what, what degree of secular sin you have committed because you, you ate a bag of potato chips on a train platform. And you figure out how many lashings you deserve because of your sins against Mother Gaia and the environment. That doesn't sound like a beautiful idea to me. It does sound like a beautiful idea to the people in that room. Because they are disordered and perverted. And they are letting their liberal ideological utopian dreams run away with them. But the irony, of course, here is that the people who show up to the World Economic Forum produce more waste, produce more air pollution, send more carbon into the atmosphere than anyone else on Earth. How many people at the World Economic Forum flew private jets to, to land there? If not most of them, a whole lot of them. That's how many. Heads of state, heads of private companies. They all fly. They spend more more pollution. They expend more pollution and more carbon in one hour than you probably do in your entire year. And then they lecture you and say, you've really got to cut that out. We don't need to cut it out because we're special because we are planning the future. We are much more important. But, but you, you do have to cut it out. That is the kind of thinking that takes place here. So funny that it was the Alibaba group president too, because China, of course, emits more greenhouse gas into the atmosphere than the entire developed world combined. But that's okay. It's it's separate rules. You don't understand. We are building the future. We are building the new order. And if it doesn't make sense to you, then too bad. This is a transition. We have to crack some eggs to make an omelet. Ah, I'm I'm Klaus Schwab. That's what they're saying. I think we need to hire new rulers. When you want to hire new people, you got to check out ZipRecruiter. Right now, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Certain people in my life make my life so much easier. I couldn't get along without them. I think first and foremost of my wife, my wife, but then, you know, people at work, my assistant, my producers. And when you want these people in your life, well, first of all, back off my wife, buddy. You're not getting my wife, okay? And you better not hire away, hire away my staff either, but you can hire your own people. And the way to do it is with ZipRecruiter. That's right. Go to ZipRecruiter. They are the number one way to get people for your company. This is the most important investment you can possibly make is in your staff, and you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. Personnel is policy, okay? That is how your company is going to work, is contingent on who you hire and who is actually putting your policies into effect, okay? The hardest thing you're going to have to remember about any of this is just the URL, ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. That's where you go to try ZipRecruiter for free, That is ZipRecruiter.com slash K-N-A-W-L-E-S. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Another one of these self-appointed benevolent betters at the World Economic Forum, this this time a lady from Australia, the e-safety commissioner, pointed out at the World Economic Forum that we need to recalibrate the way we think about free speech. We are finding ourselves in a place um, where we have increasing polarization everywhere and everything feels binary when it doesn't need to be, so I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online, you know, from freedom of speech
1: to the freedom to, you know, to be free from online violence or the uh, right of data protection to the right to child dignity.
0: We just need to recalibrate the speech. This clip went viral yesterday. A lot of conservatives furious about it. The woman is obviously wrong in practice. Can you even imagine what it would mean if she were in control of recalibrating free speech? It would would basically just mean the conservatives are not allowed to speak and the liberals are allowed to speak. That's what every single person at the World Economic Forum wants. That's what every liberal elite flitting about on their private jets, that's what all of them want. However, she is right in principle. She is. I know that's going to be an unpopular thing to say among conservatives, but it's true. I wrote a whole book about this called Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. There are always limits on speech. There there are limits right now. There have been limits throughout the history of our country. There have been actually in the past, in some ways, many more limits than there are today. There have been limits on speech throughout the whole history of civilization. That's because certain speech is off limits. Fraud, direct threats, fighting words, obscenity. We still have laws against obscenity, even though they're not enforced as much anymore. There, We've had blasphemy laws in this country, for goodness sakes. Now that seems unthinkable. Well, we actually do still have blasphemy laws in a way. It's just not, It's they're not laws that prohibit blaspheming God. They're laws that uh, prohibit blaspheming the pride flag, or or the BLM, or the, there are there are all of these rules, if not outright laws, federal laws, state laws, at least regulations, rules within corporate life, within the schools, within community life, that will within the big tech platforms that will prohibit you from saying those things. So there are always going to be limits. I think, in principle, she's totally right. I do think we need to recalibrate free speech. Right now, the current speech regime in the West is punitive against conservatives. And let's libs do things that they should not be permitted to do. And engage in kind of speech and sometimes defenses of violence that they, and calls to violence that they should not be permitted to do. Just look at what, what was permitted during the BLM riots. So I think we need to recalibrate. She's right. Let's recalibrate it. And let's put some more limits on what the libs are doing and the calls to violence and the disorder in our society. And let's open up speech again a little bit for the conservatives. I guess that's what Elon Musk is trying to do at Twitter. There is pushback against this stuff. Do you know why people concoct all sorts of theories about the World Economic Forum? Well, in part, because a lot of them are true, and the World Economic Forum are, is telling us this. But in part, it's because people look at these clips. They hear what the liberal elites from around the world want to do. their a utopian vision for society. And the people don't like it. They don't like And they say, hey, whatever you're doing, stop it. We don't want that. And the WEF knows that we don't want that. That's why they've got to save all their craziest ideas for this meeting in Switzerland that is where the messaging is largely controlled. Where where when a conservative journalist shows up, my friend Jack Posobiec showed up there, he was briefly detained by the World Economic Forum police. (laughs) And then uh, then he started broadcasting it or other people started broadcasting it and all of a sudden they they let him go. But the World Economic Forum tightly controls this kind of messaging. And they know that the people don't like what they're talking about. Just look what happened at State Farm. State Farm, the insurance company, Uh, Sent out an email a few days ago. Subject, gender curriculum. Uh, This is to Florida agents here. Seeking agent support for the Gender Cool Project. Uh, State Farm is partnering with the Gender Cool Project to help diversify classroom, community center, and library bookshelves with a collection of books to help bring clarity and understanding to the national conversation about being transgender inclusive and non-binary. The project's goal is to increase representation of LGBTQ plus books and support our communities in having challenging, important, and empowering conversations with children age five and up. Age five and up. So this this email came to light a few days ago. It was actually sent January eighteenth of this year. It was only leaked. A few days ago, because even some people who work at State Farm said, This is insane. State Farm, the insurance company, for some reason, State Farm is now trying to trans the kids. So they leak the email, and then what happens? Does State Farm double down? Does State Farm pull a Disney and say, No, we're gonna go even, we're gonna trans the four year olds now. We're gonna trans the three year olds. How dare you, little people! Push back against this. We're inclusive and diverse and equitable, and we're going to try to trans the little babies in your womb. Did they say that? No. No. They did the opposite of what Disney did. They sent an email within a, a day or two of, of this earlier email being leaked. Subject gender curriculum from Victor Terry, the chief diversity officer of State Farm. State Farm's support of a philanthropic program, Gender Cool, has been the subject of news and customer inquiries. This program that includes included books about gender identity was intended to promote inclusivity. Conversations about gender identity should happen at home with parents. We don't support required curriculum in schools on this topic. We support organizations providing resources for parents to have these conversations. We will no longer support that program, but you know, we'll keep pushing diversity and inclusion. So, almost a complete surrender here. They gave themselves wiggle room, so we should keep pushing on State Farm. They gave themselves wiggle room. We don't want it to be mandatory in the classroom, but maybe they'll put these resources in the elementary school libraries. Well, we got to stop that too. Keep pushing, keep pushing harder. But this is evidence. Companies learned their lesson from Disney. Uh, Some people are calling it the Disney effect. And what was the Disney effect? A woke corporation tried to push these radical sex theories on little kids. They expected conservatives to roll over like we always do. Florida Republicans led by Ron DeSantis say no, we're not going to do that. We're actually going to punish you Disney. We're going to take away your tax benefits. We're going to take away all the special deals you've got with the Florida legislature. We're going to vilify you in the media. Well, we're not vilifying you. You have vilified yourselves by doing villainous things. We're going to expose that in the media and we are not going to let up for one freaking second, you weirdos, because the people are be- not only because it's the right thing to do, but because the people are behind us and you are going to lose this battle if we can have it fair and square in the public square. And guess what happened? They won and Disney lost. And that was a great win for the kids of Florida. And it was a great victory over Disney. Almost more importantly, it sent a message to the state farms of the world. It sent a message to all the other companies and all the other sectors. F around and find out. (laughs) That was the message. That seems to be a major theme this year in the news. With all of the, you hear it from the White House. And now you're hearing it from the conservatives. Try me. I dare you. Bring it up. And what happens? We won there too. Keep pushing. Keep pushing even harder. State Farm didn't cave out of the goodness of their heart or because they've seen the the light of the moral order. I don't think that's what's behind it. I think they realized that they were going to have a big, big business problem if their secret little plan to trans the kids continued after it was exposed to public light. This is what's going on. And this is the big fight. This is what's going on in the schools. The reason that the parents movement is taking place right now is because radical lessons that had previously been taught secretly in classrooms are now being taught or are now coming to light in large part because parents got to see what their kids were learning when it was being beamed into their homes on a computer screen for the past two years. But sunlight is a great disinfectant. This is why the World Economic Forum is the target of such ire now. The liberal elites thought they were having their private meeting in the little private place in Switzerland. Clips are leaking around the world. People don't like what they see, and so they're pushing back. There is a new racial literacy curriculum that's being taught in lots of schools that is turning every subject woke. This is being pushed by Pollyanna Incorporated. It's for high school students, but it's not just teaching them Radicalism class. It's not just teaching them, okay, you've got you got math, you got history, you got literature, and, and you've got social justice. Math, history, literature, and progressive politics. No. It's much subtler and and more powerful than that. What these curricula do is inject wokeness and leftism into every single subject. Obviously, history, we've been dealing with that for decades. Obviously, literature, we've also been dealing with that for decades. Obviously. Sex ed, or you know, I mean that comprehensive sex ed is just teaching a kind of liberal sexual ethic in the schools. That's always been the case. Not even just science and, but math too, because of a leaked implementation seminar. Don't forget, this was all happening behind the scenes. The libs who were pushing this stuff were trying to hide it from you because they know that you, the parents, won't like it very much. But uh, part of one of their seminars was just leaked because it was occurring online. And it showed that the libs are now wokening math class. Do not, can you hear that? Can you hear what's going on? Well, if you can't hear, then you've absolutely got to go check out MD Hearing Aid. Right now, go to mdhearing.com, use promo code Knowles. Did you know that nine out of 10 people still buy hearing aids from clinics and pay $5,000 or more, even though much more affordable options exist? That's why you've got to check out MD Hearing Aid. MD Hearing Aid is an FDA-registered rechargeable hearing aid that costs a fraction of what typical hearing aids cost. MD Hearing Aid's Volt Plus model costs over 80%, percent eight zero less than clinic hearing aids. They bring clinic-level care right to you via telemedicine from doctors and licensed hearing professionals. MD Hearing Aid was founded by an ENT surgeon who saw how many of his patients needed hearing aids but couldn't afford them. He made it his mission to develop a quality hearing aid that anyone could afford. If you forget to take your hearing aids off in the shower, do not worry. The Volt Plus is water resistant and up to three feet of water. Rechargeable with battery life that lasts up to 30 hours. I uh, really, really love this company. A family member of mine refused to get hearing aids even though she should have years ago because of this cost and it really reduced her quality of life. Make sure you go avail yourself of this opportunity right now. Get clinic level care for 80% less with MD Hearing Aid. Go to mdhearing.com. Use promo code Knowles to get their new buy one, get one hundred forty nine ninety nine each when you buy a pair deal. They are adding a free extra charging case. That's a $100 value just for our listeners. So head on over to mdhearing.com. Use promo code Knowles. Get their new buy one, get $149.99 each when you buy a pair deal. Also, we have got right when you thought that the media and the global fear agents were finally running out of material, we've got a whole new pandemic that just dropped. That would be the monkeypox pandemic. Now, listen, call me crazy. But with any new outbreak, I would like to get first a clear sense about the risk before I go into full-scale panic mode and sprint toward my nearest uh, 17-jab provider so I can just stick myself on a vaccine IV like the libs want me to. I want to get the facts. Well, good news is Candace is getting the facts right now. She's sitting down with Dr. Robert Malone. He made his return to Candace last night. A really, really great interview. You remember uh, Dr. Malone from his interview with Joe Rogan, his speeches against the COVID shots. Well, he's sitting down, he's providing science, he's providing facts, he's providing data. You can watch last night's exclusive interview by becoming a Daily Wire member at dailywire.com slash subscribe. You get 25% off your new membership. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. We'll be right back with a lot more. When you're in math class, when I was in math class, I learned two plus two equals four. I learned three times three equals nine. Sometimes we'd go beyond that. We do word problems. If John leaves St. Louis going 55 miles an hour and Sally leaves Chicago going 26 miles an hour, we're that kind of. Now, what the woke left has done is gone into even math classes and transformed even the math curriculum to push a radical leftist agenda. Here is the plan from Pollyanna Incorporated.
2: Um, so students learn about DACA, or the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program, which currently supports over 700,000 people brought to the United States as children of education. And so in the first part of this lesson, um, students explore the impacts of both, both individually and on our broader society of the July 2021 court ruling that DACA was unconstitutional. And then in the second part of the lesson, students imagine that they are helping to plan a protest in support of DACA, and they need to determine how to maximize attendance given a variety of outreach options and constraints.
0: Mm, this is, this is going to help students think about math. You see, if, if Pablo pays the criminal cartel $10,000 to smuggle him and his friends into the United States. And Juan sells his sister into slavery to the cartel so that he can get a ride across the Rio Grande. What is the number of their criminal gang? M.S., 13. There it is. Didn't you just learn something about math? Was it? That's great. Now you're prepared to be, become an engineer someday, aren't you? Aren't you so glad that the libs woked the math curriculum? It's not just on DACA. So they, they transformed the math curriculum to, to suit their goals on the immigration policy. Then they use the math curriculum to push a completely false narrative that cops in the United States have an epidemic problem of targeting innocent black men.
2: And then lesson eight um, this is a heavy one and we definitely recommend that teachers prepare their students and themselves um, in advance of teaching this lesson. It's about police killings of people of color and it uses data to explore the racial disproportionality among the victims of police killings and of police use of force. So students examine real world data to determine that black and Latinx people are killed by police at rates proportionate to their overall representation in the US population. And then they examine data that debunk the misperception that police kill more black and Latinx people because those people commit more crimes. And then finally, they consider what it would take to eliminate these disparities.
0: So there are two problems with this approach to education. At least, there are probably more than two problems. But the two major problems are, one, the, the woke teachers and the, and the people creating the woke curricula are filling students' heads with things that are not true. They're filling students' heads with a, an understanding of American history and literature and, and society and politics that is not true. And they do it in every single class, including math. That's the first thing. But the second thing that's so awful about this strategy is they are depriving kids of an actual education. Two kids go to math class. One goes to ordinary math class and learns arithmetic and algebra and trigonometry and calculus. And then another kid goes to this woke math class where they learn that George Floyd is a secular saint and cops are really bad and we need to abolish the police. And also two plus two equals four. Which kid, regardless of all the stupid political ideology coming into the second kid's head, which kid is going to get the better math education? Obviously the former. So if these libs are like absolute leeches, they're just absolute parasites, not only infecting their host with diseases, but also just sucking them dry, depriving them of nutrients that they otherwise would get in their education. This is happening in the shadows because every reasonable person hates it and objects to it. I don't care what part of the country you're in, what race you are, what background you come from, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Obviously, all the Republicans are going to hate this stuff, but I bet most of the Democrats are going to hate it too. This is radical stuff. The evidence of it, of how unpopular it is, is that they have to teach it in the shadows. Speaking of math and kids, it's, it's not only the ordinary people who are pushing back against the prevailing orthodoxies of the libs. It's some of the elite people as well. Elon Musk is really good, at least on this one point of math and kids. He's really good at counteracting the, the prevailing liberal view of kids and births and the population. The libs believe that there are too many people. Notice they never believe that they are one of the too many people. They, they never offer to go away. Okay, we have overpopulation. You know what? I'll just call it a day right now and take a long walk off a short cliff. They never do that. It's always, it's always your kid. It's always your grandkid. They're, that's the one that needs to go away, not them. Musk says, no, we don't have an overpopulation problem. We have a serious underpopulation problem. He pointed out yesterday, USA birth rate has been below minimum sustainable levels for around 50 years. Contrary to what many people think, the richer someone is, the fewer kids they have. I am a rare exception because Elon has a lot of kids. Uh, Most people I know have zero or one kid. And this is true. According to Statista, in 2017, the birth rate in the US was highest in families that had under... $10,000 in income per year. That was 66.44 births per 1,000 women. As income scale increases, the birth rate decreases. Families making 200 grand or more per year have the lowest birth rate. So people who are in abject poverty have the highest birth rate. People making a ton of money, 200 grand or more per year, have the absolute lowest birth rate. There's a similar point here, actually, on abortion. Very often you will hear that abortion is so important to poor women, that abortion is a way to help poor women. And the, the philosophy behind that is really sick, that basically we just need to kill the poor because we don't want to take care of them. But the numbers are wrong, too. They probably learned woke Pollyanna math, and that's why they, they don't get their numbers right. Yes, it is true that more poor women get abortions than rich women do, but that's only because there are more poor women than there are rich women just as a matter of the population if you look at the rates of abortion if you look at the likelihood that a poor woman is going to get an abortion compared to a rich woman getting an abortion you'll find out that rich women are three times more than three times as likely to get an abortion as poor women are if you look there was this was actually published by vox.com this is published by a a liberal uh, a, a liberal outlet a liberal explainer outlet they've got figure 4 here on their on their article, abortion rates by income group. If you're below the poverty line, if you're you're in the, the bottom fifth here of this graph, you've got almost the, the lowest rate of abortion, basically tied for the lowest rate of abortion. And then you go to 400% plus of the poverty rate. It's more than three times that number. You can't, you can't just blame it on poverty. You can't just blame it on the, the unfairness of the system and people can't afford to get ahead. No, this is much, much deeper than that. S- speaking of kids, obviously we have to get to the horrific story that happened yesterday. Uh, I'm sure you know what happened already, but uh, an 18 year old gunman opened fire uh, yesterday at a Texas elementary school. He killed, at le- uh, last time I checked, it was 19 children. It, it may be more now and I believe two adults as well. Finally, the attacker was killed by law enforcement. The hideousness, the horror of the crime speaks for itself. My only hot take on this, I don't, I don't have a hot take. That's my hot take. My hot take is, I don't have a hot take. My hot take is the reflexive political posturing that that happened within minutes of this news breaking, is so revolting that I just refuse to engage in it. And, it. and it plays out in the predictable way that happens every time there is a shooting event. If the shooter is white, it's all about white supremacy. If the shooter is not white, as in this case, it's all about gun control, and you have all the usual suspects immediately rehearsing their same points, their same either sincere or more frequently feigned outrage about the lack of gun control policies in this country. They never propose anything in particular because none of the policies that they have proposed would have stopped any of these shootings historically speaking. Obviously, more facts will come out about this one, but that's been the case in all of the other ones. And then they, they become very indignant and self-righteous, and they say, how dare you offer thoughts and prayers? How dare you suggest that we take a moment and pray because of this horrible tragedy? And they, they, they themselves don't offer anything else. And then maybe some of them, the more radical of them, will say, well, we just need to get rid of the Second Amendment. If that's the impediment, we need to get rid of the Second Amendment. And even if one were to think that that w- was a good idea, I don't think that's a good idea. But even if one were to think that's a good idea, it, it's not practicable at all. It would start a civil war. So they're not they're not offering any solutions. They're just they're just jumping up and down on, on at the at the very moment of a tragedy of a of a really unthinkable tragedy to push their same old tired political agenda. And you'll see it a little bit too. Conservatives then will become very, very uh, reflexively defensive. And they'll look in and say, well, was this guy an illegal alien or was parents illegal aliens or was it an illegal gun? And they'll, they'll try to get all of the facts to score their political points too. Obviously in much less so and in a much more defensive posture than you're seeing from the left. But the whole thing is just so sickening. It's so absolutely repulsive that I would just suggest you don't need a take. You don't need to take. You don't, you don't. And everyone talks about thoughts and prayers. And and on the left, they dismiss thoughts and prayers. They themselves offer their own thoughts immediately. They never stop offering their own thoughts or whatever whatever even resembles a thought to them. No prayers, just just a, I would I would recommend just just prayer. Prayer is pretty good. It's the most efficacious thing that anyone is suggesting. It is the it is the Classy thing to do. It is the civilized thing to do. You don't need to jump the very second that an a really unthinkable, haunting tragedy occurs. You don't need to jump that very second to push your political agenda, or frankly, even to push back against someone else's political agenda, or to find all the statistics, or to find all the right facts, and to say, "Boom, see, owned, debunked, got it." You don't have to. It is so classless. It is so inhuman. It is so uncivilized. Bad things can just happen and you can just feel sad about that and you can just pray because none of your, none of your posturing, you, know, you, you might observe that none of, none of the posturing the proposals that come out would have stopped this. That can be debated later on. What is certain is none of your posturing is going to bring... The, the dead kids back. It's not going to do that. The only thing you can do is pray that could even possibly have any effect. So maybe just do that. Maybe that's fine. It's so, I, I almost can't look at Twitter right now. I almost can't look because, and it's not, it, it, it is being driven by the left. It's not It's not only the left, but it obviously is being it being driven by the left. And it's so crass and vulgar and so disgusting just don't have to do it. This is common sense. This would have been considered common sense, common courtesy, common class, not that long ago. But we've lost all sense of that, all sense of decorum. Maybe people weren't raised right. Maybe they just don't get raised right anymore. I guess that ties into the education issue. People aren't really raised right. Have some class, have some manners, have some common sense. Common sense. I mean, this, this is, to, to bring it back to the broader political issues we're talking about here, that, that is what we are seeing reassert itself. When we're talking about education, when we're talking about the transgender issue, when we're, about, when we're talking about gas prices, when we're talking about the crazy liberal schemes of the World Economic Forum, the pushback, it's not totally 100% Republican versus Democrat, left versus right, conservative versus leftist. It is, in many ways, liberal utopians versus people with a modicum of common sense who maybe would have called themselves Democrats even three years ago, but don't want their kids to get transed or don't want critical race theory being taught in their schools. This is this is why the comedians are having a field day right now. Ricky Gervais has a, a comedy special coming out. Part of it has leaked. And in it, he goes on a very funny rant against transgender ideology.
1: The old fashioned women. Oh, God. You know, the ones with wombs. Oh. <laughs> Those f- Dinosaurs. Uh. No, I love the, the new women. I know the new women. They're great, aren't they? You know the new ones we've been seeing lately. The, one, the ones with beards and c <laughs> They're as good as they're as good as gold. I love them. No, it's the old-fashioned with And now the old-fashioned, they're like, oh, they want to use our toilets. Why shouldn't they use your toilets? For ladies. They are ladies. Look at their pronouns. <laughs> What about this person that isn't a lady? Well, his penis. Her penis, you f***ing bigot. What if he rapes me? What if she rapes you? You f***ing turf whore.
0: Try not laughing at that. Try not laughing. You can't not laugh. Be- it, the reason that you're laughing is because the reality is so absurd that even the comedians, Ricky Gervais, Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle's not a conservative. All of these guys are making jokes about it. And all the funny memes on the internet, right? It's, and by the way, it's not just the well-established professional comedians. It's the memes. It's all the, all the actual comedy culture that's going on right now is all making fun of this stuff. And it's because People just know. It's because people still have common sense, even if our genius rulers, whether they're in Davos or unfortunately, if some of them are back here in the US, if they don't know it, that's their problem. The people still have some common sense. Political correctness in entertainment is really, really annoying. (laughs) We all know that. I am glad to see that the Disney effect is having a lot of effect. Netflix here, Netflix did kind of back Dave Chappelle when he got in trouble for telling politically incorrect jokes. Netflix is saying we're not going to rein in our creators. State Farm is saying we're not going to trans the kids anymore. But it's creeping in and it's really annoying. It has largely destroyed professional sports. I never really cared about the NBA or the NFL, but the BLM movement went in and really wrecked those sports. The one holdout in professional sports had been baseball. Because baseball is just a little more conservative. It's America's oldest favorite pastime. It while all the other sports have descended into political madness, baseball, they usually just keep their heads down and keep playing the game, and that's that's great. But there there was another one of these woke incidents that unfortunately took place in baseball. MLB just suspended the Yankees' third baseman Josh Donaldson over what they call, quote, inappropriate comments toward the White Sox shortstop. Tim Anderson. Here is Tim describing the great terrible offense.
2: Yeah, he just made a you know disrespectful comment. Uh, you know, basically, you know, trying to call me Jackie Robinson. Like, what's up, Jackie? Um, and, you know, uh, I don't play like that. You know, and I don't, I don't really play at all. Uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really you know bothering nobody today. But uh, you know, he made a comment, and uh, you know, it was it was disrespectful. And uh, I don't think it was called for. It was unnecessary was when you guys crossed past the stuff there at the end of the third? Yeah, but that happened in the first, the first time he got on, you know, and I spared him that time. Uh, and then it happened again. Um, and, you know, uh, just, you know, it was just, you know, it's just uncalled for. You know, it's not, you I got time to, you know, be playing like that.
0: Okay. So he's upset because Josh Donaldson called him Jackie Robinson. First of all, what is offensive about that? I would be honored to be called Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson was a great and important baseball player. It's, that seems like a nice thing to be called. Why did, no, that's very offensive. Okay, well, why did he call you Jackie Robinson? Was it in some way was he making some insult because you're black? Was that is that why he's comparing you to Jackie Robinson? Uh, oh, wait, hold on. Uh, Tim Anderson has the same number as Jackie Robinson. Both number forty-two. Okay, so maybe it wasn't. It, was, it definitely wasn't an insult. Maybe it wasn't a racial thing. It might have to do with the fact that you both have the same number. And oh yeah, you, Tim Anderson, have regularly compared yourself to Jackie Robinson and have made lots of videos and lots of comments to the media calling yourself today's Jackie Robinson and say that you, like Jackie Robinson, are completely changing the game of baseball. This is how you style yourself. This would be like you you give yourself a nickname. You, you out there in... Podcast Radio Land, you give yourself a nickname, and then you tell everyone that's your new nickname, and then somebody calls you that nickname and you say you're a racist. you you that's an offensive comment. What do you mean it's an offensive comment? It's what you told me to call you. That's no no, you're not allowed to do that now. What what is this really about? What this is really about is Tim Anderson doesn't like Josh Donaldson. I guess there's some bad blood between these two players, and so Anderson decided to get back at Donaldson, and the easiest way to get back at someone at all today. Is to call him a racist because being called a racist is the worst thing that you can possibly be called, and that and that that worked. The White Sox manager, Tony La Russa, called Donaldson a racist. He said he made a racist comment, Donaldson, and that's all I'm going to say. That's as strong as it gets. He didn't make a racist comment. He made a perfectly innocuous comment. He basically just quoted what Tim Anderson himself had said about himself, and it was a flattering statement. But it, that's the worst thing you can be called as a racist, and and. So, this guy, to get back at Donaldson for whatever slight, whatever bad blood they had between them, called him a racist. This is often what happens. Drew Clavin makes this point. Very often, when people, if people attack you for being, for your race, for your sex, for your sexual behaviors, for whatever, for whatever aspect about you, these days that is interpreted by everybody as meaning that the person who says the remarks is a racist, is a sexist, is a this-phobe, is a that-phobe. But that's not true. That's not actually how insults work. That's not how men interact with each other. Nine times out of ten, 99 times out of a hundred, what that proves is that person who said it just doesn't like the guy that he said it to. And so he's looking for any way to attack that guy, and he will attack that guy in the easiest way possible. If I walk up to, If I walk up to our giant scary assistant director here on this show, Pavel. And I say, hey, listen here, you Polak. Well, I would never say that because I'd probably be put through a wall and there'd be a Michael shaped hole in the wall within two seconds. But if I, if I said that, I said, hey, you Polak, does that, does that mean that I don't like Polish people? No, it would just mean that I'm angry at Pavel. And the first thing that comes to mind about him is that he's Polish. And so I'd I'd say that to him. And, and frankly, that's what Tim Anderson is doing here to Josh Donaldson. I don't think that Tim Anderson thinks that Josh Donaldson is a racist. I think he doesn't like Josh Donaldson. And so the first thing he's going to is the easiest way to attack him. You're a racist. It's so petty. It's so ugly. It's so dishonest. And it bugs me in particular. I'm not a huge sports guy, but I do love Major League Baseball and the Yankees in particular. And so it does bug me when I think this last redoubt of civility, of manners, of pro- of playing the game. Uh, the other issue I have with Tim Anderson is he's a big showboater and he makes a big deal and he flicks his bat and he dances around and he... he, he is upsetting the norms of the game. Unlike other sports in baseball, generally speaking, people just do their job and they play and they're humble and they hit the home run and they run and they run the base. They don't stand there and wait and dance around. They run and they keep their head down and they play the game. And that's what I think a lot of people are longing for. It's, It's why the baseball thing is hitting me Hard in particular, but that's what we're talking about in the schools. That's what we're talking about in our norms. When we talk about respect for institutions, the way we comport ourselves in in the public square, the way we talk on social media, what people are longing for is a return to something resembling the old standards, the norms. Okay, that we're, we got to recalibrate things to, to quote the lady at the World Economic Forum. We, we do have to recalibrate things because the effect of, our, of the social revolution, cultural revolution we've seen for the last half century or more is not merely that our rights are changing and the laws and the rules, but it's, it's the whole norm. It's the whole, whole culture. It's the standard. It's the way that we behave with one another. What we come to expect, we're not allowed to have norms anymore. We're not allowed to say that anything is normal. We actually have to say that abnormal things are the normal things and the normal things are evil and abnormal. And, that, and that's what people are reacting against. That builds a big coalition. If you just ran on the hey, hey, everybody, be normal and good platform, you would win 50 states. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. Associate Producer, Justine Turley Audio Mixer, Mike Coromina And Hair and Makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Production Copyright Daily Wire 2022 Today on the Matt Walsh Show, horrific tragedy strikes in Texas as Democrats immediately exploit dead children to score political points I have a lot to say about all this and I'll say it today Also, Nancy Pelosi finally responds to the Archbishop who banned her from taking communion Her response only further demonstrates why she deserved the ban and record turnout for the Georgia primaries yesterday, does that disprove the Democrats' voter suppression narrative? Stacy Abrams says no. Plus, we have uh, some exciting and fascinating space-related news. Whether you like it or not, you're going to hear about it. And for our daily cancellation, what is a super fat and an infinifat? You'll find out today. All that and much more in The Matt Walsh Show.